For Spurs fans everywhere, this is the ultimate football app for you. For match highlights, interviews and the best Tottenham videos and podcasts, download the free Coys app now from the App Store and Google Play. Hello and welcome to what is possibly a new stroke, another episode of the Come On You Spurs podcast. You may have noticed Dan isn't with us tonight doing his hosting duties. He's had enough of Spurs after the last week or so. No, honestly, though, I think Dan has uh, got some other commitments that mean he's kind of had to take a step back from this. Um, so I'll be taking this on. We'll be getting back on YouTube and sticking some pods out that way. Just want to give a big shout out, though, to Dan before we get going and thank him for all his hard work and commitment over the last few years on the Coy's pod. I'm sure the panel tonight will agree he was a great boat to work with. Um, so, Dan, much appreciated. I'm sure he'll come on and join us as a guest at some point soon as well. So that'd be good. And we can actually get his thoughts once rather than him asking the questions. So on to tonight. And I am joined by two stellar guests tonight who join me to look back at not such a great week in the world of Spurs. Good start, but this week has really put us all on a bit of a downer. So first of all, we've got Ryan. Ryan, how have you been, mate? I know it's been a tough week, but how have you managed to cope so far? I'm, I'm just starting. My body's just getting used to it now. It calms down after two or three days after a Spurs game. But like we were saying before we came on, it's, it's always eventful supporting Spurs. It always gives us something to talk about when we come on live. It does, mate. It does. It always gives us... It's never boring, is it, the life of a Spurs fan, and it's never easy. Uh, Joining Ryan tonight is the man who always brings the energy, and we are going to need his energy tonight to get through this. Patrick, how have you been, my man? Uh, Yeah, I mean, me as a person, I'm good, and obviously it's great to be back here with you guys, but as a Spurs fan, I'm down in the dumps, man. I've been getting... I've been getting corn and pelters from all angles on social media. (laughs) Obviously... I'm, a, I'm, you know, I'm quite out there when it comes to Spurs and being on all these pods. So when we go through the, through the mud, trust me, I feel it. So yeah, I've been getting it from all angles. So yeah, Patrick's yeah. Patrick's feed is definitely worth a follow. He's got some Arsenal. <laughs> he's got some Arsenal men giving him a tough time at the moment as well. So he needs a bit of backing. Get on Patrick's <laughs> timeline and give him some backing oh, on this. So before we get into it tonight, let's just do the social media bits. So guys, as you know, it's going along the bottom there. Give us a follow and, you know, subscribe at YouTube at coys.com. We're on Twitter um, at, at coys underscore com. And obviously, you got Patrick and Ryan. Definitely worth a follow. Get on their timeline. Interact. They're always brilliant. Always good to chat to. So get on there, guys. We're going to be on all the main audio feeds as well. If we're not on one, give us a shout. But we're Spotify, Apple. We're everywhere. So get there, give us a subscribe and follow, you won't regret it. So there's no point hanging around, is there? Let's get into this. Let's get this therapy session underway. And we can only start, see what we're going to do. We're going to have a little start off. We'll talk about the lineup that came and what we're going to do this time in this new kind of format that we're doing. I'm going to show some tweets from some loyal Spurs fans that go out over the course of the week. So we're going to look at the, um, we're going to look at the lineup that was that we started with that's going to come up on screen so for all those listening to audio we started off with Hugo in goal we had a back three of Romero Sanchez and Davies wing backs as Doherty and Sessignon 
We started with Winks and Bentoncourt making his Premier League debut in the middle and obviously a front three of Son, Kane and Mora. So, Ryan, when you saw that lineup, was you pleased with that selection? Did you think it was the right way to go? I was very happy with Bentoncourt starting his first league game because he does look quite a good prospect already when we've seen him. <laughs> Doherty and Emerson, it's this. It's, it's, it has to toss up. That is, that's that's just. Well, I'll, sh- I'll show you a little tweet here that Trevor Lloyd put out. So I'll bring it on screen. Um, so it's at Trevor Lloyd ninety two. He he put out Doherty is woeful, but he hasn't ever put in a performance as bad as Emerson did tonight. And this was obviously after the Southampton game. It was historically bad, along with the other clown Sanchez. So. That was Trev's view on that. So what did you think about that change? It was a change that needed to happen, but I think going forward, I'd rather probably see Tanganga at right wing back over Emerson and Doherty at the minute. Obviously, we know he's got the engine. He can defend. I think he's less exposed on the right as he is in the middle. So I'd rather Tanganga there when he's fit. I never thought I'd say this, especially this season, but I can't believe how much we're actually missing Eric Dyer in the centre of that defence. I mean, compared to Sanchez, he's world-class compared <laughs> to Davinson at the minute. He is a big, big miss, Dyer is. And then I think the only one I was probably a little confused about was Regulon Sessing Young in. I don't know if it's match fitness or just Conte's way of rotating, but... To, to start him over Regulon to then ship him off after, what was it, 25, 26? About 28, yeah, 28 minutes we, we made the change, didn't we, after that horror show yeah. start. And, and like, as you say, I guess no one really knows. Maybe you're just resting Regulon for this game. But that, that, I say, that was a surprise one, wasn't it? Yeah, but also I think, I think it's time we see the five midfield now. I think he needs to go with three in the centre of the pitch, I think. To say as, as good as Lucas has played this season, after the break, the first two games back, he's I don't know, he's just gone off the boil a little bit. He's just a bit sloppy at the minute. Not he's not picking the ball up and driving as he was at the start of this season. So I don't know whether that's replacing him with Skip once Skip's back. Hoyberg back in for Winks, because Winks just don't cut it anymore. Winks is not the player you want to start. He, he could have all the work rate in the world, but he's not good enough to start but like I say at the minute I think we just got to trust Conte's uh, decisions and his lineups and hopefully can get us as far as he can this season and in the summer he's really really backed and then we'll see some selections that we can't really argue with. Patrick what about yourself was there any surprises in that starting lineup given given what had gone on in the obviously the previous game against Southampton was you surprised I mean, that Doherty coming in I mean was that a change you you would have been in favour of no I wasn't surprised to be honest and I even put a tweet out before the game and it, it got mocked up obviously afterwards because of the scoreline but I put I like it in capitals Bentancur starts uh, then starstruck emoji Hoiberg Emerson and Reggie dropped yeah, and then I put in brackets rested. Three points is a must today. No excuses in capitals, coys. So I understood. From my understanding, Hoiberg needed a rest. He's been really bad in in recent weeks. No, no shade to Hoiberg because he is a good player and I think he is a good DM. But he's just been overran and overworked, so he needed a rest. So I understood that one. Emerson again, take him out of the firing line. I still think there's a good player in there. 
like Ryan said, his work rate is immense. He just needs a bit more quality on the ball. But I do see some qualities there that we can. He's only 22. First six months in a new league, doesn't understand language. I think sometimes players have got to, not sorry, fans have got to be a bit more realistic and cut him some slack. So, but I, again, I understood the, the rotation. Doherty is meant to be a Premier League um you know, right back. And you always see a player, when they play against their old team, usually put in a performance. So I understood that side of it as well. Obviously, <laughs> we'll get into it. That didn't happen. And then Regalon, <laughs> if we're being honest, he hasn't been good in recent weeks. And I called it and I said it on a few podcasts. And um, that that miss, that sitter against Southampton, when we could have really put the pressure on and gone 1-0 up, we were having good passages of play, came with a lovely through ball, uh, Regalon had both sides of the goal to aim at and what did he do? He whacks it straight at the keeper. That was unforgivable for me, man. And there's been so many times this season where Regalon has just been quite sloppy in the, you know, in the final third, he's not great, if we're being honest. So again, I understood why he got dropped. Give Sessegnon a chance. We paid 28, 25 million for this guy. He was a good player at Fulham. Give him a run out. I felt sorry for Sessegnon because to be honest, everyone was crap in that first half. It yeah. could have been anyone that got the chop, but unfortunately it was him. And as he was walking off, you could see he was so down in the dumps, he was dejected. We were all clapping him off, obviously, as a young yeah, man. Yeah, I mean, like you yeah. said, Patrick, I don't think it, it, he wasn't hooked it, because it of his personal. performance, yeah, was he? Exactly. You know, it, it, you know a, lot, a lot of Someone people after the game... Yeah, a lot of people after the game were putting posts out around, well, what's that going to do for Sessignon and that? But I think as a footballer, you probably know, don't you? You understand, that, yeah. Listen, you take, I've you been hooked. Yeah, that's yeah. right. I mean, it reminded me of the situation when Dyer was hauled off um, on one of Jose's first games yeah, in yeah. the Champions League. And I think, you know, the pros are, are good enough to understand that, listen, I've not been hooked because of my performance. The boss wants to make a change. And unfortunately, this week, I'm the one yeah. that, that's getting the change up. So, yeah, I, I, you know, I think there's a lot of people saying, oh, what's Conte done for Sessignon and his confidence? But I don't, I don't think it'll be seen like that, to be honest. Yeah, these are grown-ass men as well. Like, come on, do you know what I mean? They should be able to have... Like, obviously, it's not nice. Of course it's not. No one wants it. But it's at the end of the day, the team comes first and someone had to take the chop. To be fair, you know, Conte isn't as great as a manager as he is. He's a world-class manager. We understand how great he is. But he's not basically... You know, he can also come under question. He's not above being questioned. And keep starting a front two... Sorry, a midfield two of basically, well, one good ball-playing... Uh, player in Bentancur and then whoever you put in Hoiberg or Winks they're not ball playing CMs like that's questionable for me especially against teams they know what we're going to do we're so predictable at the moment and even the Wolves manager and the Bright uh, sorry and um, Southampton manager both said it pat the midfield out because we know they only put two in there and we're just getting overrun and um, it happened again obviously uh, you know Conte did make a change but we was already 2-0 down by that point so, yeah, that's right. I mean, like as you said, I think, mean, you know, there was a lot of a lot of tweets flying around after the match, wasn't there, about people saying, you know, if anyone's blaming Conte for this, then, you know, you're part of the problem. But I think, <laughs> like as you say, the issue here is, you know, yes, no one's blaming Conte. And I think we understand that the guy hasn't got the players to work with. You know, it's, it's, it's this thing that, you know, you could have the best jockey, you could have the best trainer, but if you enter the Grand National with a donkey, you ain't going to win it. Um, but it doesn't excuse a manager 
who by now, in my opinion, should have seen you can't play those wing backs. I can't do that job he wants to do and should see and should see during games at times that if you're going to get if you're getting overrun, you need to make a change to try and change that. And just because he's a new manager here, you can't excuse that and you can't just give him a free pass. The manager has to take some responsibility to try and change something if he sees it's not working. And I think we could all see and we have been able to see by now that the wing-back situation with the players we got is not going to cut it. So you might have to look at doing something new. While we're on the topic there of the full-back situation, I want to show you guys another tweet. And this was from at Craig underscore Spur. Um, we're just talking about Doherty and Emerson. And he obviously put, if you really want to make your head hurt this morning, have a think about our right-back fiasco since we sold Walker. Trippier to Aurier, to Doherty to Royal. Horrendous enough in itself. But then throw that in. We also let Carl Walker, Peters, and Foyth go whilst bringing in the latter two. Mental. It is an issue, isn't it? Because we have seen after that Southampton game as well, a lot of people saying, you know, Carl Walker, Peters, what a player in that. But do you think, as that tweet kind of suggests there, and I kind of believe in, what makes it look even worse when you see someone like Carl Walker, Peters at the moment, who's a steady fullback? But it looks worse for us, doesn't it? Because the club haven't upgraded that position since we let him go. I honestly believe if Carl Walker-Peters was still at the club right now, fans would be saying, this guy is not good enough. We need to improve. We need an upgrade in that position. Um, Ryan, what, what do you think? We could be very fickle at times, can't we? A Tottenham Hotspur fan base. Now he's elsewhere and he's putting in decent performances. Then, yeah, you always look back at him and say, oh, my God, he... he could have been our number one choice right back. But like you say, if he was still here, one bad perfor uh, performance, and it would be, no, he's only here because he's from the youth. He's a Tottenham lad. That's why they're keeping him. We're too sentimental with these players. It's, the problem we've got is the, is the recruitment at the end of the day. The 50 million we got for Kyle Walker should have gone on a replacement for him. I think when you sell someone for that much money at that bigger price, then you replace him with that money you've just received. With If he's worth 50 million, then there's going to be another right back out there that you can buy at the same quality. Because when you look at Kyle Walker, he wasn't the greatest. I mean, his pace is what's made him a better right back. His defending isn't great. He's very sloppy, but he's absolutely rapid. So when he makes a mistake, he can always get back and recover for it, but the right back situation it is as it is. Like Patrick said, a, a lot of us, myself included, recently are quick to jump on Emerson and, like, say, twenty-two year old, still learning the language, completely different atmosphere in the stadiums, completely different way of living in London now. So you've got you have got to give these players time. There's no point having him for six, seven months and saying, no, he's not good enough. You've got to let him bed himself in. He's probably still trying to understand half the player's game that he's playing with at the minute. One week it's Winks next to him in midfield, then it's Hoiberg, then it's Skip, now it's Benton Core. It's, it's, it's difficult for a player that, that young as well at 22 to immediately grasp the Premier League. It's not that simple, but at the same time, we probably could have done better business bringing in another right back. Obviously, you want two players in each position. 
especially if you want European football at the end of the season. So hopefully we can bring somebody else in. I say keep Emerson, let him keep learning the league, let him keep on, let him learn the language, get used to living in England now. And like like Patrick said, you never know. You could actually get a gem out of it at the end of it. Because if I remember rightly, David De Gea's start in England was awful. And they Man U fans wanted him out as soon as they saw him. And since then, he had, what, six, seven great years at Man United. Turned out to be an absolute one. I'm not saying Emerson will reach them level of performances as a right back. But you've got to give people time now. Well, I definitely, as I definitely as well would say, like based on, on on Trevor's tweet there that we saw earlier, I have to say, I, you know, Doherty to me has not done anything to warrant being viewed as being any better than Emerson Royal. To be honest, in a Spursia, I haven't seen Doherty do anything, and I've seen him put in some shifts and play some games where I'm thinking wow, this guy is horrific and, you know, goes down as one of the worst right backs, I think, or, you know, wing backs that we've ever had. So I'm, you know, if I'm picking either out of the two, I'm picking Emerson over Doherty all day long, to be honest. What about you? What about you there, Patrick? Yeah, I mean, I've seen Doherty, to be fair to Doherty, he's had one good performance, Leicester away (laughs) when he played half a half. Second half cameo, isn't it? Exactly. He he was brilliant in that game. He was flying forward. He was getting back defensively. He was putting in good crosses, good balls. And I was like, wow, this is the the dirty that we saw at Wolves. Because when he played uh, for Wolves against us, he always terrorised us. Yeah, that's right. So that's the first time I've seen him have a good performance. But other than that, he's been rubbish. And, um, you know, we we always do this, though, as Spurs fans. And I I said it in, I was in a space on Twitter, you know, where you're just talking pretty yeah. much like a chat room like this. And um, I was pretty much going against the grain. Everyone was saying, Emerson is rubbish. What are we doing? I want him out. And I said, I can see a player in there. And I broke it down, what I said here, 22, first half a year here. He's come in as a right back, don't forget. Then obviously Conte came in, has played him as right wing back. His defence, the defensive players behind him have switched about 10 times. Obviously, like Ryan alluded to, the midfield person in front of him has changed about 100 times. The guy is still trying to learn the job. There's so much going on. But he, I can see a player in there. Yes, his deliveries in the final four could be better. But in, to, in terms of defensive reading the game, his engine, he's not that bad. He's not as bad as we're making him out to be. We did this against Trippier with Trippier. We ran him out of the club. Trippier's crap. He's this, he's that. The guy went to Atletico Madrid and won the, the, the La Liga, played in the World Cup and looked And quality. people were then questioning why we exactly. didn't buy him back in That's January. it. And then <laughs> yeah. he's come back to Newcastle and he's whipping in free kicks for fun and looking good. Trippier was a good player. I said that at the time. We ran him out. We did the same with Carl Walker before when he was going. All of a sudden he was crap and, you know, blah, blah, blah. Once we knew he was kind of, his head was turned. And then we've also done the same with Carl Walker-Peters as well. And um, Carl Walker-Peters isn't as good as we're making him out to be. Yeah, he's playing okay, but you've got to remember, he's got the consistency. He's had a year and a half there now, playing week in and week out. He knows he's the first choice right back. That does a lot for a player's confidence, and obviously you see a better side of them. And then again, yeah, he's had a good game or two, but we've got to move on past that. Uh, But sorry, and going back, one more Foyth. I didn't want Foyth gone. I saw a player in there. Yeah, and I know yeah, we mentioned that yeah, a few times, exactly. didn't we, that yeah, we thought Foyf had a, Foyf, had a, had Foyf, a career here. Foyf, Foyf is brilliant, man. On the ball, he's amazing. 
he can pass. Yeah, sometimes he does have a lapse of concentration, but again, he was a young kid. He did need to bulk up a bit. But we saw we seen him for Villarreal put in man of the match performances yeah. in um you know in massive games. So the guy was good. Again, I didn't want him gone. Some of the fans did. He did go, so be it. But yeah, we've got to give Emerson Royale time. We seem to do this a lot with our right backs. Um, I think there, I... Patrick, what we could say, couldn't we, was Foyth and I think Carl Walker-Peters were victims of something Poch used to do, which is just keep young players in and around the squad rather than sending them out on loan yeah. where they could have got match experience, first team experience for a year or two and come back, if you like, men from that. Yeah. A bit like Danny Rose did when he went to Sunderland. He then came back the player that we, you know, one of the best exactly. fullbacks in the leagues at that point. And I think, unfortunately, Foyth and Carl Walker-Peters were kind of, ultimately, I think, you know, Poch liked to keep him around instead of game time. But we'll, I guess we had to say, we've got to see. But for me, I, I'd definitely start Royal over Doherty every yeah. day of the week. Definitely. Okay. So, so let's look into the game. It was a horror start, wasn't it? Um, that's picked the bones out of the first goal. Um, Ryan, ultimately, you know, you've got to look at everyone in this situation, haven't you? You know, you've got Neves being allowed loads of time to get a shot away, reminding me, again, like the game in midweek, where if you're going to stand off Ward-Prowse and give him time to deliver, you're going to get punished. The same with Neves. You can't step off him and allow him to shoot. But then Hugo just had an absolute horror 10 minutes, didn't he, around that time? Yeah. Well, it's like you say, the, the player before the goal, the player should have um, <clears throat> read the situation, even if it's a centre-back running out. If you see a Ruben Neves that close to your own box with time and space, you know he's going to either create a goal or score an absolute worldie. Like, like you just said about Ward-Price, we gave him the entire right-hand side of the pitch for Southampton and his delivery is as good as anybody's in football. And he, he found his player twice for them to get the two winning goals. But like I say, after I feel, I feel bad in a sense of um, criticising Lloris the way he's been for us this season. But like you say, as a fan, as good as he's been, you still have to call out the calamity that it was. I mean, when I was obviously watching it, you think to yourself that well, as soon as the second ball's come back in, you think, yeah, it's fine. He's got, he's got that. I don't understand why he went to punch it. I don't. It, it was just an absolute horror show. Whether there was no communication, whether he thought his, uh, I think it was Ben Davis closest to him was also going for the ball, so he just had to hook it away because he didn't want an own goal. And it's, it's hard to say, but the first ten minutes of that game, never mind the twenty minutes, the first ten, you could see which way the game was going. Uh, we seemed to press for about the first five, six minutes of the game, and then after that, it's yeah. We we kind of looked sharp after you know after a couple of minutes. Mora, we had Kane play the ball over the top for Mora, yeah. didn't we? And you kind of yeah. thought, well, okay, that's a promising start. But then, as you yeah. say, after that, it was just one way traffic for a little yeah. while, wasn't it? We just we just we just let the other team dictate the entire game. I mean, we're at home against Wolves. We're a better side than Wolves. Nobody can argue that. Yes, Wolves are a good, decent team. They'll give you a good game, but we are better. We should have majority of the ball. We should make Wolves fear what we could do on the ball. If we get the ball up to Harry Kane or Son, they should be tracking back and they should be worrying. It shouldn't be us worrying about them playing out from the back, getting the ball into Neves. Because at the minute, this midfield, obviously Patrick said it earlier, it's, it's time to 
drop this midfield two now, get the three men in there because the last two games it's been one, two passes and they're in behind our midfield and they're up against our defense. And like I say, Sanchez is just, uh, he's just, I don't, I don't know. As soon as he sees, he's like a child at six aside, five aside. As soon as he sees a ball, he's gone. He's not, he's not thinking about his position. Davis ain't got the pace to keep up with many players now. He's, he's a reliable left centre-back, but if you've got uh, Daniel Pedence against Ben Davis, you, there's, there's only going to be one outcome from that. But the two men in midfield, as soon as, soon as that that press is beaten, if one of them go out of position or if the one presses, it's just one simple wall in behind and then you've got four or five attackers and it seems an eternity for our midfield to get back. I don't, I don't know if you feel the same way or but it just feels like once it's past them that's it then it's like they're completely out of the game it's but there's a great picture on twitter isn't there of a, a still of when that ball's in the box for the first goal and i think you've got about five spurs players on the yeah, edge of the box line, looking, yeah. yeah in a line looking yeah. into the box and it was something i noticed you know the other in the southampton game i think there's armstrong had a header in the in the first half i think it was or second half and it's really, you know, Winks follows him at one point. But if you watch the video, even though Winks follows him into the box, he soon drifts away from him to leave him the free header. We don't seem to have those midfielders that seem to be aware that they have the runs that are going on beyond them and the capability of them following, in it, following them in. And that first goal was a perfect steal that kind of shows you all these bodies just looking into the box. And you're thinking, well, a couple of you should at least be in the box right now with the runners there. Um, but Patrick, you know, as Ryan said quite rightly there, you know, Lloris has been brilliant recently, isn't he? You know, and let's face it, you know, he has saved us on numerous occasions this season at times. But he just kind of, his head went, didn't it, for 10 minutes because the first goal is followed up by the second where he just plays an absolute horror pass out to Ben Davies. And we'll discuss, obviously, what Davies does after. But I think at that moment, Larissa's head was just scrambled, wasn't it? Yeah, his head went. And the two massive moments in that game and literally turned the game on its head. And uh, Larissa has been brilliant for us this season. And I still think he's one of the best goalkeepers out there. Yeah. But unfortunately, he does have these moments in him. But to be fair, other than... Yeah, I mean, all goalkeepers have it. I've seen Edison have a shock. I've seen Allison definitely have howlers. David De Gea was had criminally um, shocking moments. So no goalkeeper is past a mistake like this. But to do two in the same game in under ten minutes, it's always going to be hard to bounce back from that. And yeah, the first goal, like uh, Ryan said, he literally punched the ball to uh, to to Jimenez. Jimenez had a nice volley. Boom. That's a goal, chested it down, so he volleyed it in. And then, yeah, just whacking. The the pass to Ben Davis was really poor. But then also Ben Davis, yeah. if in doubt, if in doubt, just whack it out. Why is Ben Davis trying to curl the ball through and play like cute, you know, yeah. passes at that moment? And when we're under that much pressure, just boot the ball away. It doesn't make sense. At least Anderson Sanchez, for all his, his, his howlers and his mistakes, he would just whack that ball out. Same with Dyer, they just whack the ball away. They wouldn't be trying to overdo it. You're, you're, we're, we're getting our backs pressed. We're against our backs to the wall. We're getting pressed, and you're trying to be cute and whack, you know, curl round lovely through balls at that point of the game. It was crazy. And then as soon as they got the ball, you kind of already felt it that it was going to be a goal, and unfortunately, it was very. They were very fortunate. I don't know if they're lucky or we were unlucky or whatever it was, but you make your own luck. 
the ball hobbled around, hit the post, bounced back. Uh, Pedence was in the right place at the no, Dendonka, sorry, was in the right place at the right time, and he just stabbed it in. It just felt, and again, you know, like we had moments, but we just never were really in that game. And like Ryan's saying, it's criminal that we're at home, a much better team. But the reason why we're struggling is because we don't have the midfield to actually supply um, the front the front line, or we don't have the midfield to dictate them. Even, you know, you see midfielders like even uh, Thiago Silva, even though he's been, people have been uh, bantering him and ridiculing him since he's come to Liverpool. He'll just get, the, get on the ball and he'll slow the game down. He'll dictate the game, he'll pull some strings, pull people out of position and move the ball around. We've got no one. I mean, obviously, Ben Tanker, he it's uh, too early to say yet, but it looks like he can do that. We've seen it in glimpses, but he's only played a game and a half, so we can't really get too carried away. But you can see a player there. But Winks can't do that. Hoiberg can't do that. Skip is fantastic, but again, he can't do that. So until we get some ball-playing midfielders, we're going to struggle, unfortunately, no matter even if we pack it with four or five, because the guy still ain't good enough on the ball to really pull the team around. You know, like when we had uh, uh, Dembele, he could do that. Even Endombele, I know, you know, his engine wasn't great, but again, he could pull string, dictate and move the ball around. We were really lacking. And even if you look at Wolves and Southampton, two teams that were much better then, they've got much better ball-playing midfielders. So that's why we're struggling at the moment. I think as well, potentially, you know, we can see what you guys think, you know. We know, obviously, you know, come the end of the January transfer window, we shipped out the players that we did. Um, And I think the one worry that, you know, a few of us seem to have by looks for, and I'll get your guys' view on this, was that, yes, you know, the players we shipped out, we can all sit in there and say, listen, you know, Ali, we were all saying he seemed to be, you know, was we ever going to get that player back? And Dembele, we knew he was kind of an enigma, wasn't he? You know, all this Mm. talent, but never looked like he was going to do it. Lacelso again, massively, you know, made a glass, injury prone when he was playing, never really seen. But do we feel letting those play all those players go in the centre of the park? Did we feel we kind of left ourselves short in that when a game like this Wolves was going to happen, where suddenly you may have to change a game? Do you guys feel we've kind of left ourselves short of any options to do that? I mean, Ryan, what was your view once you saw all those go and only the two come in that did? I think he was maybe hoping for another to come in with Benton Core. I think he wasn't maybe expecting La Celso, Delhi, and Endombele gone. Like I said, they weren't they weren't pulling up trees for us. They weren't changing games before that, and I know. Conte is a manager that usually likes a smaller squad, not so many players to manage. He can work with a smaller squad, but a game like that, you'd think of someone like an Endombele who can come on, get on the ball, not really have to do much running, as daft as it sounds for a professional footballer. He wouldn't have to work as hard because we are chasing the game. So he will be more on the front foot, and he's a player at on his day, if he gets on the ball, you know he's going to make something happen for you. He can beat a man, he can find a pass, and he, he can score goals. We've seen he's scored a few goals, but it's it's a hard one at the minute. I think, well, I don't think. I hope when Skip's back, he'll come straight back into the side. He's not a he's not a baller in the midfield, but I'm hoping he'll come back and sit in front of that defense and allow a Benton core and maybe a Kulosevsky, if he pushes him inside, maybe to become the advanced playmakers of the side. But 
we've we we seem to have options off the bench at the minute. Like I say, with Kulasevsky coming in, Benton calls on the bench, obviously for the Southampton game. But you're all, I think, especially after a loss, you're always going to look back at the players you've just let go and think, oh, maybe we could have kept one of them. But like I say, it's they weren't doing anything while they was here, so I think we made the right decision to let them go. But at the same time, we made the wrong decision to not bring others in. That's the thing, Patrick, isn't it? You know, obviously, I say, I don't think anyone's overly upset to see those players go because I think they'd all had their time. But I know I looked at that central midfield positions when they left and thought, wow, you know, we've left ourselves. You know, we, we were worried about creativity before those players went. And once they did go, you looked and thought, wow, you know, Hoiberg and Skip. Again, not the most creative players in the world. Winks, you know, his first fault is always to turn backwards and, and look behind for a safe pass. You know, you then got obviously Benton Kerr, who, who, as we say, looks a good player. But again, is he going to be that driving creative force? So, so, Patrick, was you worried at all that we might have left ourselves creatively short or creatively some options off the bench where you could say, well, OK, if this guy comes on and can have an impact, it might be a positive one. I think there's two ways to answer this question. In regard regarding the players that we let go, I wasn't worried or bothered at all. I was sad to see Delhi go because obviously we all had an attachment to him. He came in at such a young age, uh, you know, took all of our uh, our hearts because he he basically took the league by storm, and he was such a great player. We thought we had found basically the the best hidden gem ever. Uh, gem ever. He was amazing. He had three or four years where he was unplayable, brilliant. He had that desire that energy that bite he was just fantastic but obviously he fell off a cliff and it looks like there was other things going on outside of football and he wasn't the guy that we all knew so i was sad to see him go but i was actually happy that we sold him he's off our books no more what's happened to delhi is he gonna come back when he's not playing why is he not playing when he's not in the squad why is he not in the squad none of that cloud around us anymore so i was happy to you know sad to see him go but happy for him and us that that chapter's now behind us uh, Endombele and Lacelso, obviously I was gutted it didn't work out, but again, I was happy. They needed to get out of the camp. They were just basically bad eggs in a sense of, I'm not saying pers- their personality they were bad, but it just wasn't good for the for the dressing room morale. It wasn't good for the yeah. fact that, again, you've got £100 million worth of talent that never plays. And when they do play, they don't do anything. They weren't doing any, other than uh, Endombele's assist uh, for Kane against Liverpool. Those guys have done nothing. And that's crazy. That's a hundred million pounds worth of talent doing F all every game. If they even get on the bench, even if they get on the pitch. So they had to go. Um, obviously getting them both out in the same window, I thought it was good. And if they do pull up trees where they are, that's fantastic because we can get rid of them in the summer and go again. Right now we are a bit short, yes, but I do believe it looks like Endombele is doing okay. Lacelso, I'm sure, will do well. And then we can at least recoup almost eighty to a hundred and put that into players that we know can provide for us. So in that sense, I was sad to see that it didn't work out for all three, but I was happy with the fact that they're off our books. We don't need to worry about them. And we brought in players that will fit Conte's system. It's a bit of a tough one because we've lost two games that you don't expect to lose. If we don't lose those games, even if we get a draw and a, and a win, it's a totally different story and none of us are really talking about it. But because we've lost to Chelsea and then obviously we've got back-to-back shockers and Man City coming up, it now feels like we're in a really bad place. So... We'll have to see. We'll have to see. Um, we're hoping that Kulafeski comes in and it is that more creative attacking midfielder 
you know, playing just behind the the, the Canes and the Sons. We're going to have to see how that goes. Ben Tancor, we know, can be a deep playing quality midfielder. But between those two, something's got to give, man. Then we need some creativity because if those guys don't come in and do it, we've all seen the rest of the guys ain't really got that in them. Winks now and again can pull a pass, but if unless he's driving forward, Winks only seems to drive forward when the crowd gets on him. When the crowd are on him and like push the ball, then he pushes it. But unless that happens, like you said, Carl, his first instinct is sideways or backwards, and you don't need that at this level. If it's not natural, it's never going to come. Now he's what twenty six. It's not going to yeah, happen, that's is correct. it? Yeah. So yeah, it's right. So yeah, and um, yeah, and and Winks again. I mean, I saw a good Winks two or three weeks ago, but now I'm seeing a, a shaky player, someone who is looking like they're lacking in confidence and they don't believe in themselves. So it's almost like he played for January. So he didn't get traded. And now that the window's closed, he's reverted back to his old wink. So he's basically hoodwinked us. And it's um, <laughs> <laughs> it's just oh, it's frustrating, man. It's frustrating. It's frustrating. So obviously, you know, we're t- you know, once, once you're two down in a game like that to, to a team like Wolves, it's kind of training ground stuff after that, isn't it? Um, one question to ask you guys, because, you know, when you look at those two performances, and like I said earlier, you know, Conte possibly, does he need to do change it a little bit more drastically? Do you feel we are far too predictable? I mean, if you look at the Hassan Hootal comments after the Southampton game, basically said, didn't he, that, yeah, that we knew what Spurs were going to do. If they get one up, they're just going to sit back, try and hit us on the break. We know what they're going to do. Wolves kind of indicated as well that they knew what was coming and had a game plan. Do you think that's a real problem we're suffering with at the moment, just in the fact that Spurs are just too predictable a side to play against and it can sometimes become too easy? Ryan, what do you, what do you feel? Oh, massively. I mean, like Patrick said it earlier, we have become a very predictable side at the minute. I don't know if it's a lack of trust that Conte has in some of his players that he's not willing to get the first and push for the second, maybe the third, or if it's something that Conte's not even given the players as a direction, maybe it's something that they, they, it's hard to change after Mourinho and Nuno, maybe it's something that they've so, been so used to over the past few years that they're just still trying to revert away from that. But like I say for teams like Southampton, with all due respect to Southampton and Wolves, for teams like those to come to the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium and feel before they even come out on the pitch that they've worked us out, before they've seen the lineup, before they've seen the shape of the side, to feel like they've actually worked us out already and feel comfortable and confident in the game is very worrying for us as a side because we should be going up against Southampton and Wolves and getting the first as early as possible and pushing for the second and pushing like pushing for the third. I mean, under obviously Pochettino, a completely different team, completely different setup. Like you say, you had your Dembele's and Ericsson's, the Tongans out of roads. It was a completely but watching that Tottenham side, you knew exactly how it was going to go. We was going to push for the first, was going to press the opposition, was hopefully going to get the first. And then push on for the second. You wouldn't expect us to sit back, let the team come at us and eventually break us down, which is, I think, watching us at the minute, you, if we go one nil up, that's probably the most worrying scoreline in a game for Tottenham at the minute because you know exactly what's going to come next. You know we're going to just sit back, let the team come at us and eventually you can't, you cannot hold on to a lead 
for the entire 90 minutes. It's not going to happen. You're gonna, there's going to be a mistake somewhere. Someone's going to be sloppy. It'll be a bad pass or it's not going to happen. So hopefully Conte's looking at it. Like you say, it could be a completely different system he needs to use, but fingers crossed he can actually change it and push us on now to, to actually take the game by the scruff of the neck and not just work hard for the first goal, but work hard for the second and the third. And then if you want to see out the game at 3-0, that's fine. You can revert back to that at 3-0. It's a comfortable lead in some games, not every game, but in some games it's a comfortable <laughs> lead. But <laughs> then you can maybe understand it. But at 1-0, it's too dangerous a game to play, that is. Yeah, Patrick, I mean, you know, I, I think back to that Liverpool game at home and how, you know, in that point, we could have been free up, couldn't we? And we were just really direct, fast and strong. And, you know, let's face it, on that day, Liverpool were very lucky not to be going in 3-0 yeah. down at half-time. We just haven't played with that sort, you know, obviously the Chelsea games have knocked the stuffing out of us. Then, you know, we looked good against Brighton, didn't we? You know, and that, that I thought, you know, we dealt with Brighton really well because I was actually worried about that game given they're a really good side. But then these last two games in the week, and one of the worrying things is obviously, you know, Conte kind of looked and sounded a little bit like a beaten man, didn't he, after that last one against Wolves. Do, do you see the fact that we've got to change something up or he needs to change something up now because possibly we are too predictable and, and something needs to change given the manner of the performances? Yeah, um, and it goes from top to bottom. Conte definitely isn't without fault, as I addressed it earlier. So he needs to take a look at himself. Um, even some of the stuff he says, it, I don't know if it, 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 if it rings the right message to the players because they're going to hear it. And the way he's talking about the team and the players and the squad, he's almost like he's, he's dumbing it down and just saying they're not good enough, which we know they're not. But you can't say it every time because the players obviously know that they're part of that squad and the guys that aren't starting basically know what he's saying. So he needs to hold some accountability. He has become too predictable. We already know what system we're going to play, what lineup. If things aren't going well, he'll revert it to a back four, add an extra, change it up a bit, you know, put two up top and put an extra player in the middle. Uh, you know, switch it up a bit, man. Like, it's the same thing all the time. Even the best managers, your Klops and your and your Peps, they change it up a bit. I know, obviously, they've got better players, don't get me wrong, but they don't play with the same system in every single game. Yeah, yeah. Um, even Pochettino, when he was, you know, in his heyday at Spurs, we would actually change our formation and personnel depending on who we're playing. And I think Conte needs to do that a bit. You know, we hear the stories from, from Chelsea and Inter Milan fans saying he's quite stubborn and they stick to the same system for every game. That's not going to work. So he does need to also look at it. And I know he's tried to make in-game changes, but it's already too late by then. So he needs to look at that. And then, um, yeah, I just think the players as well, they need to hold themselves accountable because Kane has had a lot of chances. Sonny was running at players and he was doing well. Again, he had a few chances where the ball didn't really get, it was getting under his feet and he wasn't hitting it clean enough or he was whacking it straight at the keeper. We alluded to Regalon's chance. Um, I think Kane against... Brighton, no, not against Brighton, against Southampton, had a clear header and he headed it down into the ground and it just went over the bar. We've had chances in both games. So, you know, um, obviously defensively, we are a shambles as well. And um, I'm hoping we touch on the fact that Davidson Sanchez is just all over the place at the moment. And being at the ground, I'm seeing he, he doesn't get on with Winks. Him and Winks are always arguing. 
um, and shouting at each other during the game. So everyone's pointing fingers. No one's stepping up and just actually saying, you know what, let me take control. Everyone's shouting and pointing and blaming each other instead of just actually manning up and dealing with the situation. Well, we're saying that, Patrick. I mean, let's that, stick to that point then at the moment. Obviously, you know, we know Dyer's injured and you assume that when Dyer comes back, I, I'm assuming that I think obviously Sanchez will then find yeah. himself out the side at that point. But again, like as we've said, given recent performances, and, and, you know, I think Conte's kind of alluded to, isn't he, that maybe you should have given Rondon a bit more of a chance. Yeah. Do, do you feel that given the way Sanchez is playing at the moment, you can't start him in the next game. You've got to think of something else to do there, haven't you? Because the guy, unfortunately, at the moment, like you say, his head's a little bit scrambled, isn't he? He makes rash decisions. I mean, you, you've all seen the clip where he gets the ball on the edge of the box and suddenly then almost turns it over. It. Yeah, it's a bad it's touch. Does he need to step out? And when Dyer's back, do you think it's definitely Sanchez that drops out of the side? Is there any possibility that maybe Davies might be a guy that comes out? Could Conte think, well, you know, I'll maybe have Romero, Dyer, and Sanchez in there because Dyer might be able to get hold of Sanchez at all? I think when, when Dyer and Sanchez play together, they actually formed a decent and formidable partnership. Um, I think Dyer was like the cooling, calming effect on Sanchez. And we know Sanchez on his day can be brilliant but he just like you said like he's a bit brain dead like against you know no pressure gets the ball on the edge of his box heavy touch and all of a sudden the Wolves players jump on him and then he's scrambling and then it's just you know and I think that, as that well, should really have been 3-0 at that point yeah yeah we got we got very lucky there so um you know and our teams now know, let Sanchez have the ball because he's more than likely going to make a mistake and then we can press him, harass him because he's just wild and reckless. And um, yeah, I think he's got to get dropped um, when when um, when Dyer hopefully is back. I, I think Dyer's resumed full training. So I'm not sure if they start against Man City. I'm hoping he will. Sanchez needs to come out of the firing line for a bit, just cool down. For me, I'm so surprised Roden has never got a good run out because every time I've seen him play, I think I've seen a player there. I think he's actually a good player. I know some players have said he's championship and, sorry, not players, fans have said he's championship material and this and that. But I've not seen that. I've seen a good young centre-back, rapid, reads the game well, uh, obviously is decent on the ball. And I think if he was actually given time, there could have been a player there. So I'm not sure what's happened. I've read some reports that he's been playing with um, a lot of injuries this season. Uh, a broken yeah, it does, rib or something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm not sure maybe if that's what's happened, but I'm surprised he hasn't got more of a run out considering how bad some of our centre backs have been. So let's look at top four then, guys. Obviously, you know, the, the performance was what it was, and those two at home have kind of, as we say, really should have been the six points on the board, and the games in hand should really have kind of come into play at that point. But where do we think we stand now on the top four challenge? Because we've still obviously got three games in hand on West Ham. And obviously, if you were to win those three, you're above them. But obviously, we start with Man City this weekend. And let's face it, you guys might feel the same. You don't really have much optimism going into that game, given the way we're defending and the way City are playing. After that, it's then, you know, away trips to Burnley and Leeds. And now those are two grounds and two teams that are not foregone conclusions. So 
Where do we stand with the top four? Do you think those two games at home have really put a dent in that push for top four? Ryan, where, where do you stand? Do, do, I mean, obviously it's still on, mm. but do you think those two home performances might have just kind of crushed that confidence that you might need and that new manager bounce that suddenly puts an element of doubt into a top four push? I know it might sound strange, <coughs> Excuse me, but I don't think it does because I know we've got City at the weekend and you look at it tonight, they're going in at 4-0 up away at Sporting Lisbon in the Champions League. So it is not, <laughs> that's the type of game we've got coming for us at the weekend. But at the same time, the teams around us, your West Ham's, your Arsenal's, your Man U's, it's not just us dropping points at the minute. All, all four of us, and I, I, I would... I, I would say add Wolves in there, maybe because like I said they're above us now. They're still there within touching distance, but none of them teams at the minute look like they're going to run away with that fourth spot. They're, they're mistaking every single team there. So these these two games we've lost could really define this season because it could be a changing point in Conte's style. He could it could force him to change his formation, his style that brings something different to the team. And like I say, it's a game like Man City at the weekend, as daft as it may sound, this is probably the best time for him to maybe experiment different personnel or a different formation because nobody expects us to go to Man City and win, which is, like I say, it's sad to say that because we got this stadium to go to a Manchester City and challenge them for honours yeah. and mm. at their stadium. You don't want to go to Manchester City and lose before the game's even started but that's the way it is at the minute but maybe this is a game where Conte like I say he, he brings Rodon in and tries it because when uh, when he first spoke of Rodon he always said that Rodon is there behind Dyer so when Dyer is unavailable that's where Rodon comes in in the middle of the three-man defence obviously he's moved Romero in which I don't mind I love Romero I think he's a quality acquisition for Tottenham I think he's only going to get better in this league because, like Patrick said about Emerson, Romero's still learning the game. Yet, and we've had, and we've had a favour, haven't we, recently with the bands that those guys have got for Argentina? Because we all yeah. know that Romero will normally go away, yeah. pick up an injury on international duty, so that kind of plays in our favour a little bit, doesn't it? Yeah, and it's massive. Like I said, the last international break that they all went on to actually keep him there, get his fitness back up, have him back. For these games is huge because he is our best defender. But like I say, he's, he's still somebody that is under, trying to understand the language and the culture and the, the actual football in the Premier League. It's completely different to the Italian league. It's a lot quicker. It's a lot tougher. So he's still trying to understand everything. But to have him back is huge. But it, it's one of them. If Obviously, if we go to Man City and we lose then you can just push that game aside because, unfortunately, we all expect it. But then the games after it, your Leeds, your Burnleys, even the game against Man United, I think it's the 12th of March. That's a game you've got to... That's, that's the biggest game we've got out of all of them coming up because that's the closest to us. We have. If you go into that game and put in a bad performance or you don't show up, that's. I think that's something that us as fans and fans in the stadium will it's that's hard to get away from because that's a team challenging top four with you you've got to put in a performance in that game and I mean 
we've spoken about Sanchez a bit, but with Eric Dyer, right, you most occasions over teams you have players coming in thinking, right, this is my <clears throat> this is my time to shine now. This position's up for grabs. He's out for a few weeks, month, whatever it is. I I can make this position my own now. I can win the fans over. I can win the manager over. But I don't. Think we've not. It feels like we haven't got many players in our squad that feel like that. Some of them seem happy to come in and out. Rotation <clears throat> is. We need more. As, as bad as Hoiberg has been over the past few performances, you know, if he's on the pitch, he will fight for the club he will fight for the team I don't we, we just don't seem to have many players like that anymore I mean Wanyama he was nowhere near as good as Dembele on the ball but you know he would put in just as much effort as Dembele on the pitch that's why we loved that combination of Dembele and Wanyama because both of them fought for the club both of them would work as hard as each other and when Wanyama got the ball it was a simple I don't mind Wanyama playing a side pass because you're giving it to Moussa Dembele and he will make something happen for the side. We ain't got, we just ain't got players like that. We ain't got that Wanyama, Dembele, Eriksen trio in midfield now. That's exactly what this team's missing. A, a fighter like Wanyama, a baller like Dembele and a creative midfielder like Eriksen, that's, we've never replaced those three. Never mind Walker or... Vertonghen out of her old Rose players like that. We there's so much we've still got to replace from the Poch era. It's actually frightening. Patrick, what so what, what about yourself, Patrick, thinking about these next few games coming up as well? Where do you stand on the top four race at the moment? I, I think you know, Ryan made a good point. None of the teams in and around there at the moment, not one team yet looks like it's gonna grab the mantle and say, right, this top four's ours, we're gonna go on a run. You know, as Ryan said. Possibly you could sit here and say that that's just right off the City game because the way things are going at the moment, that could become a, a you know one of those horror show, you know, Etihad performances. Yeah. It would be Spursy that we go there and get a result because we've done quite well there recently. But I'm prepared to say, okay, the City game you could write off, you know, a bit like relegation teams. You pick out four or five fixtures that you go, right, well, we were not going to get anything out of those. Yeah. But as Ryan said, it's the games after that, isn't it? You know, Burnley away, Leeds away, Man United. Those, I think, are the three games that could define where this top four race goes, can it? Because if we don't pick up the points we should do there, I think that's a massive blow in that top four race. Definitely. I mean, Man City is almost a free hit. If we get something out of that, fantastic. But realistically, every single person around the footballing world isn't expecting Tottenham to get anything at the Etihad. Man City, for me right now, the best team in the world. Like Ryan said, they're 4-0 up in a Champions League game uh, away to Sporting. And Sporting are no slouches. Of course, they're not, a, they're not as good as Man City, but they're a good team. So, you know, Man City are just in cruise control. They're just so good. And um, we hate to say it, but they're going to walk the league again. They're brilliant. So, you know, we we can if we get something out of it, because oddly enough, they're probably they probably hate playing us because we always somehow get something out of the game. So I say it's been it's, it's been a like, ground we've managed to go to and cause some upsets recently, yeah. Isn't it? And and they still haven't won at our get our ground, which is criminal in itself for them because <laughs> everyone else is everyone else has beat us at the stadium. <laughs> so that in itself is mental. So you just never know. Fingers crossed, touch wood. We get something out of that. But that's a free hit for pretty much the whole yeah. footballing community. But away to Burnley, away to Leeds. Then we've got away to Middlesbrough in the Cup. Then we've got Everton at home. 
and then we're away to Man United. That Man United game is massive. That is a top four, six pointer because whoever drops points, you you ideally want to get your three points off Man United and stop them getting points because they're definitely in the hunt with us for that top four. Uh, like Ryan said as well, I just take comfort, even though Sunday was so bad, I just took comfort in the fact that even though my uh, Arsenal fans have been all over me and bantering me and acting like they've already secured top four, they're just as bad as us. The only reason yeah. why they feel better is because they didn't play. If they would have played, they probably would be going through the same thing. Man United have dropped points in both games they played. They're playing right now. Uh, Touchwood, I don't want to jinx it, but it was nil-nil the last time I checked. We're all just as bad as each other, unfortunately. It's crazy. You've got the top two, then you've got Chelsea, and then the drop-off in quality is abysmal. Mm, yeah, for, a league, for a league as good as the Premier League, which we all love and we say it's the best league in the world, I'm sorry, but Tottenham's, your Arsenal's, your West Ham's. West Ham, I could kind of take them out because they're actually, they've improved to get where they are. But your Arsenal's, your Man United's and Tottenham's, we should be ashamed of ourselves. We're all teams that should be fighting for Champions League, performing at the highest level. And we're all a bit of a joke, if we're being honest. So I just take comfort in that we're all just as bad as each other. One of us needs to go on a run. If we go on a run, we'll secure it. Man United on paper have the quality to do that, but they just don't seem like a cohesive unit. We've obviously got Conte. Arsenal have got the young gunners in terms of the young stars. So it's just anyone's guess. And obviously, you can't write off West Ham because they seem to always get a result yeah. at the moment. Yeah. So I don't know, man. I... I said um I said on you know I said on Twitter the other day that we were out of it after um we lost maybe I've been a bit emotional maybe I was overwhelmed the fact that we dropped dropped points in two games in a row obviously we're not out of it yet because mathematically we're still bang in the mix and we played a lot less games than some of the other teams but of those two performances I wouldn't give myself much you know confidence to say that we're in we're in it I just wouldn't, I just need to see some better performances to be honest and I can really assess it. Well, I think what Ryan said there was one of the important one. It's something that's kind of cost us in seasons past, isn't it? I think about the Chelsea game at the Tottenham Stadium under Jose, where that United game is where you want to see a performance because we are criminal at just not turning up in those big games, are we, and laying down a marker. And, and those performances are the ones that then ultimately start to undo undo the season. So, I like as you say, if one team can get on a run and if we can just get on the run like under when Conte first come in, you know, if you can go four, five, six games unbeaten at least picking up points, then that top four race is still on. It's going to be tough. Arsenal won't be able to, you know, if Arsenal could help themselves keeping, you know, 11 men on the pitch to begin with, you know, they, they really yeah. struggle to do that. So I'm a bit like you, Arsenal... I don't fear Arsenal in that race for top four because no. I just think they're just equally, you know, they can go easily go on a run of losing some silly games. So United are the team Definitely. that I really think, United and West Ham yeah. are the two teams that I think are going to be your real competition. And we, we've just got to make sure that those trips to Burnley and Leeds, we turn up, put the performances in, get the job done. Um so, okay, so we're going to go to another, we're going to go to a little section here now just before we finish off. We'll have a little bit of a new fun section called Tweets of the Week. And what I do is I look through Twitter <laughs> as it goes. And this week's been a really good week to be looking through Twitter. Just go to, <laughs> to Patrick's feed, Carl. Just I normally do. I'm going to throw you some tweets that we can discuss just to see, you know, what we feel. And we thought, you know, we'd get a little bit of listener involvement here. So, I'm going to start with a tweet from that Tottenham feed um, and get you guys' opinion. So he says, 
one of the hardest things for Conte at Tottenham will be the mentality. We never seem to capitalise or take opportunity to get ahead in the table when it arises. These games in hand will be a tough test for sure and another indicator of where we are in a group. So, guys, Ryan, what, what do we think about that? Do we think that is one of Conte's real challenges with this group? Oh, massive. It's, I think it's been a challenge for every manager that's come in. Just the, the mentality of the players is... They just seem to can't. Uh, they've fallen at so many hurdles. I think they just go into games at a minute fearing the worst. Like you say, the the Champions League final, the the Carabao Corps, the Premier League title race that we had. It's you, you, we've just got to hope that one day one manager can actually come in and. Just, just pick the play. Just, just pick confidence up before a big game. Like I say, going into the, we say Man U is a big game. Of course, it's massive, but right now the Burnley and Leeds games are huge, yeah. especially after the last two results that we've had. So hopefully Conte can pick the players up, reassure them that, like I say, the likes of Kane, the likes of Son, the the world class players. It's you've got those two in your team. Use them, and like I say, you, you, you. If we beat. Burnley and Leeds, the confidence gets up. But then, like I say, you go into the Man U game and it's as if they get there and they think, oh, this is this is a big game. Like, we can't... I think they worry too much about letting the fan base down, letting themselves down, letting everyone down that they're just they're too fearful going into these big games. We, we just need to hope that Conte can somehow, in, in something different that no other manager they're able to do yet, is send these players into these games with as much confidence as possible to actually go pick the wins up that this club needs. Patrick, what about you? Do you think that's a challenge that Conte's up to? It kind of is, you know, yeah, I know I it's sometimes hit... you think it's a Spurs DNA, isn't it? Yeah, I think Ryan's hit the nail on the head, like bang on. I mean, we're playing fantastic. We've got a nice little run. And as soon as the pressure's on us and we're expected to deliver, or people will start talking, our oh, Tottenham are in the mix for, you know, Champions League. Tottenham are in the mix to possibly win the league. That's when we just capitulate. Or, you know, Tottenham are in the Champions League final. Of course, playing Liverpool, we were always the underdogs, but we just didn't turn up. A Carabao Cup last year didn't turn up. Like, there's teams that aren't as good as Tottenham that have won trophies. So it's no excuse. We just don't turn up when it counts. And, you know, God forbid, we'll go, we'll go and beat Leeds and Burnley and then we'll play Man United and we'll just collapse or we give them a penalty or we'll just do something stupid and throw the game away. It always seems to be the way. So I just want to see us go on a good run now. All these games are tough. Burnley are playing, fighting for their lives. Leeds as well are not where they want to be. And they're almost fighting for their lives. They're sucked in with Everton. So they're going to be tough games. They're, they, It's not like we're playing a team that almost has nothing to play for. These two teams are fighting for three yeah. points, just like us. So it will be tough. But to be fair, again, we, sh we should be beating these teams without any excuses. Um, and then the Man United game, again, they're not great. Yes, they're a good team on paper. They're a big team. They've got good players. But... If we're being honest, we've watched Man United many a time and think, wow, this football's crap. Wow, these guys aren't playing for each other. Wow, they're not putting a shift in. So those are three games that we should be winning. If we're serious about finishing in the top four, we've got to get some points now. We've, we've dropped two clangers. It does happen. Like Ryan said, maybe this is a shake-up that we need. It's now time to stop all the excuses. I don't want to see no more tweets from Harry Kane saying, oh, bad day at the office, we'll go again, we'll roll our sleeves up. I don't want to see none of that mumbo-jumbo. Just show it up to us on the pitch. 
we Didn't believe that be part you. of the mentality shift you think yeah you like, Patrick, just, make you go right yeah yes stop it stop telling me every time oh you know we're sorry we let you down we'll come again next week because the next week comes and you don't do it it's the same old crap just put in a shift finish your dinner finish your chances put that extra yard in and just show it because you guys can do it. They're good enough to get these results. Now it's time to deliver. I'm tired of this same mumbo jumbo after we lose a game. As fans, we don't want to see it. We just want to, we, we don't want to hear it. So we, sorry, we just want to see them putting in a shift and leaving it all on the pitch. And if we get beat, so be it. But when we're getting beaten, one nil, two nils, three nils, and we can just see that they, the guys didn't turn up. That's what is demoralising for me. Yeah. Perfect, perfectly said there, I think. Okay, so another tweet that was there over the week, and this is quite an interesting one given that, you know, <laughs> Benton Kerr, who is obviously Ballon, future Ballon d'Or winner after <laughs> the appearances, and, and Kulu, who we're kind of still waiting to see where we land. But um, at yeah. JRT Spurs says, I judge players after two games. How long do you give players before judging them just out of interest? So, Ryan... How long do you normally give a new signing before you've kind of made your mind up of where you think things are going? Well, it's, it's different. Like, like we've spoken about tonight with someone like Emerson and say say if we sign someone like Lingard, I'll judge someone like Lingard a lot quicker than I would Emerson because Lingard's been here in this league. He's played his entire career in this league. So the likes of Emerson, Kulisevsky, Benton Cole, Romero, yeah. You, you'll call out bad performances, but you'll understand that they still need time to understand. Because like I say, they're coming from completely different leagues, different styles of play from different teams. You understand that. But if we were to sign someone from the Premier League, then I'll judge them a lot quicker. Not after two games. I won't go as far as the three before the two games. I won't go two games in. But I would, I would probably judge quicker from a local player who's played in this league for several years and I would uh, somebody coming from a foreign league. Patrick, what about yourself? Because obviously, I think this sparked, didn't it? When, you know, obviously Benton Core comes on and gives a little cameo and, you know, yeah. does a little pirouette on the ball and everyone's uh, like, oh, exactly. you know, Kulu yeah, comes yeah. on as sub, kind of doesn't have that same yeah. impact, doesn't yeah. get a chance. And people are already quick to kind of go, oh, it doesn't look like we've got a player on our hands here. It's, it's crazy. I mean, we need to just relax because every player is different. We saw Gareth Bale again. He came in and he was almost... Remember when Gareth Bale first came in, when he wore number He was three, going to Forest he, or Birmingham, wasn't yeah, he? Yeah, exactly. Point? Yeah. When his name was read out on the team sheet, he was considered a jinx. <laughs> we, used to, we used to boo. We used to like, oh, fuck, Gareth Bale's in the team. We're going to lose today. Imagine that. One of the best players you've ever seen in the Premier League. And it took him like two years to find his feet. So... Every player is different. When um, Musa Dembele first came, he was almost played as a number 10. Mm -hmm. It wasn't really working out for him. And again, there was jitters and murmurs that we kind of, you know, Fulham, uh, you know, saw us come in and, 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 and pulled our pants down. But again, it took him time to find his feet. He was dropped further back and we all fell in love with the player that he became. So it's so hard to say. Ben Tanker has looked really good, but it's only two games. Kulicheski has looked okay. I think some people are being way too reactionary. I've not seen him have a bad game. He just obviously hasn't done what um you know Ben Tanker has done in terms of being like you know easy on the eye. But Kudelchewski was robbed of um of an assist yeah, because um right, uh, was it Berg Bergwijn should have scored that, and it's a totally <laughs> different story. 
So yeah. it, it, it's it's fine. It's fine. It's fine lines. Um, it's hard to say because um, you know, some players will take a year to adjust. Some players will settle in straight away. But two games is way too reactionary or too soon for me. Going back to the tweet. So, Especially yeah, if as well, like I say, it never helps if you're playing in a side that are having a shocker performance on the pitch. You know, like that's the take that Wolves game. You know, the guy gets thrown on after 28 minutes as if he's as if he's the guy that's going to yeah, come on and exactly. change the game massively for you, and he can't have that impact. So, like I say, I think uh, JT there, I, I wouldn't want to have to be a player in his side if he was a manager. <laughs> he'd, be, he'd be changing his squad every transfer window. So, one next one that we'll talk about, given the way he started, and this one is from at Tommy K one two two six. And he said, Brian Gill is literally ripping it up for Valencia. Looks a level above the rest. So, Ryan, what do we think about Gill? Do you think that was a good loan out? And are you still positive that this guy could come back and, you know, have some real impact with this squad? He needed a loan. I just think he's gone to the wrong country entirely to have his loan. I think he needed to stay in the Premier League, he's a very he's he's got good dribbling attributes. He looks like he, he could beat his man, but like I say, a play, this type of league is he's just a player that you look at and you think you just need to bulk up a little bit. Obviously, we're not asking you to go Adama Triore levels. We're just asking you to pick up a little bit. And obviously, this league it will be knocked from pillar to post in this league for the type of player that he is not. Not due to his size, but the type of player he is. He likes time on the ball. He likes to look for the pass. He likes to beat a man. But to loan him back to La Liga made no sense to me. Because like you say, we're sending him back again to a completely different league, a completely different pace. He's he's gone back to the sunshine rather than staying in England and enduring our wet summers. We're not, we don't need to send him back to La Liga this surely would have been a Premier League side uh, that would have taken him on loan, whether that be relegation at Norwich or even someone like a Brentford or even if Leeds could have asked for him as Rafinha backup or anything like that. We should have he, really... He could even have benefited, him. couldn't he, from like a skip-type loan even in the Championship. Yeah. You know, one of those sides that were potentially going to, you know, on the verge of coming up. But, well, listen, you know, can you help us develop this guy? You know, in the championship, you get lumps kicked out of you each week, and there's no better way to kind of learn your trade, is there? No, exactly. Even like, like I say, a Fulham who were chasing yeah. back promotion is still in London. He, he's still there. He still knows exactly what's going on. He's still there for the club to see. But to send him, I don't think we'll see much difference when he comes back again because, like I say, he's he's gone to a league that he's already proven he's comfortable in. We haven't really given him a test to see what Brian Hill we can expect in the future. So, let's say all, all the best to him for the rest of the season. Hopefully, he plays plenty of minutes, <clears throat> gets some goals and assists. But I'd rather have seen him stayed in England. Patrick, what's your thoughts on 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 Gill? I mean, it's great that he's kind of. You know, I'm sure for him, it's a massive confidence boost and that to go and start being looked at as, you know, you know, I've already seen some of the, you know, players of Valencia are linking him to some of their great players from the past. But do you think ultimately was that a great loan move for him? Uh, yes and no. Yes, because he's getting minutes and he wasn't getting the minutes here. So it's always going to be a positive when a player gets consistent minutes, is trusted, 
And I think every player um, thrives of confidence. When you know you're one of the first choices, it gives you that, it gives you a level above, you know, you know you're going to play. Even if you make a mistake, you know you're still... <laughs> <laughs> With the flags at it. Yeah, that's it. It's had enough. You know you're still going to get that trust. You know you know certain players, they're, they're nervous to do something because if it doesn't come off, you know you're not going to probably see the get in the pitch again for another two weeks or so. So the fact that he's playing uh, is brilliant. But I do believe what Ryan's saying is true. He should have been in a Premier League. And if not, maybe a top-level championship side. Because um, he needs to adjust to the English mentality, the English play, the English... You know, it's different. We know he can do it in Spain. We've seen that. We, we know. We know what he's capable of there. Hence why we bought him. But he needs to do it in England. Because uh, next year, we wanted to come in. He's a creative player that will make a massive difference. Him and then, obviously, uh, Pape Matasar, who, yeah. again, we bought and loaned back. Again, that's a, a nice bit of business for us. Next year, we've got two young, creative players coming in. But, you know, you want to see them at least playing their trade in the Premier League so they kind of get accustomed to the speed, the tempo and the physicality of this league. So, yeah, we're, we're always going to miss players when we're not doing well. But um, he had to go on loan anyway. He wasn't playing. Uh, for whatever reason, Conte doesn't trust him right now. He needs a year out. And I'm glad these players, because we, we moaned about it with, the, you know, the whole um, uh, Winks when he was younger uh, and obviously Foyth and um, the other guys not getting low moves, which would have helped their development. We are now doing that. So sometimes we've got to go through these teething pains to obviously get the success and the rewards later on. We are, Spurs fans need to also remember, we are going through a massive rebuild. This is like this third manager in the space of three or four years. The team has definitely shifted if you look at what we had two or three years ago as opposed to now. So there is a lot of stuff going on. But also at the same time, we also are trying to still get back in the Champions League. So it's very difficult. But yeah, him going on loan is brilliant. I would have just preferred it to be in the Premier League. A Crystal Palace, a Brentford, um, you know, even... I wouldn't say a Norwich because you wanted to be in a team that was actually going to get on the ball and he's going to actually have time to play and, and think. Norwich, probably not because they just get battered in every game. But yeah, your Crystal Palaces, your Brentfords, they would have been perfect. Still in London and they still try and have some sort of football and identity. Those two teams, I feel, would have been great for him. Perfect, perfect. So before we wrap up, though, also just wanted to shout out to, you know, it was really great to see this week, wasn't it, that um, Chris Armstrong, Chris Armstrong, Christian Eriksen, back in a football pitch playing. <laughs> Chris Armstrong. Yeah, Chris yeah, Armstrong. Got, I, I, I don't think he was pleased. Yeah, he wasn't pleased with his last performance in the outing. Yeah, got, but Christian Eriksen. It was great, wasn't it, to see him back playing football. Um, yeah. You know, obviously, we've got that kind of sentiment with that guy because of, you know, his career with us. And obviously, it was shocking what he went through. But it was great just to see him back on a football pitch. And hopefully, we'll get to see him in the Premiership and he can get back to some form of, you know, close to that player he was when he was with us just before he left. Um, so just want to give a big shout out to him and wish him all the best. But that's it. Let's, let's time up, guys. I think we've reached the point where we're going to say goodbye. Obviously, Ryan, thanks for coming on tonight, mate. And hopefully you'll be back with us next Monday when we look over the Man City fixture. Yes. Well, yeah. yes, I don't know what time. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I will be here. It's always great to be on. Like you say, massive shout out to Dan who uh, brought me on yeah. to the original podcast and kept me on as a first... Well, when he messaged me about it, he asked if I wanted a squad promotion to the first <laughs> team. <laughs> I was happy to accept that. But, yeah, looking forward to uh, every Monday on the 
YouTube show with yourself, Carl hosting and Patrick. It'll be fun. Nice one, mate. And Patrick, brilliant tonight as always, mate. And hopefully you'll be back Monday. And I'm sure, as you said earlier, it's a free hit. What can go wrong? We'll be talking about a win, won't we? Yeah, no, I didn't say what can go wrong. <laughs> we all we all know what can go wrong. There's a million different, you know, if I'm like Doctor Strange and I'm playing it out, there's like a million different scenarios. And trust me, there's only one or two good ones. So I've got to try and look for those ones. I think that's, uh, but, that's yeah. perfectly summed up. There's only one good one. In I know. Will it be today? The Avengers, yeah. So, oh, man. But, yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to it regardless of the results. It's going to be fun chopping up with you guys. I just hope we can turn a corner now, man. We've had a few stinkers, three in a row, to be fair. The Brighton game kind of made me forget that we lost twice to Chelsea yeah, like in the Christmas right. session. Well, three times, actually. Twice in the, you know, in the cup, one in the league. So, We've had a bit of bad form after we were playing really good. So now it's time to turn it around. The players need to take a look at themselves and step it up. So yeah, let's um yeah, let's go, man. Let's go. That's all we'll I see say. you. We'll so. see you both Monday. And hopefully we'll see everyone as well on Monday. Your audio for those that don't watch on YouTube and that will be out tomorrow. We'll get that out for you. And obviously, if you can, like and subscribe so you don't miss another episode. And we'll see you all again on Monday night after Man City as we look to dissect what goes on there. And hopefully, we'll be talking about at least a better performance, even if it's not a win. So we'll catch you all again soon, guys. And as always, come on, you Spurs. For Spurs fans everywhere, this is the ultimate football app for you. For match highlights, interviews and the best Tottenham videos and podcasts. Download the free Coys app now from the App Store and Google Play.